Welcome to the Emergency Mind Podcast. I'm Dan Dworkis, and this is a space where we train ourselves to think and perform better during times of crisis. ER doctors or not, we all face emergencies in our lives, and this podcast is all about getting better at acting during times of uncertainty at stress and learning how to apply knowledge under pressure. So listen up, train hard, and enjoy, because you never know what's coming your way next. To learn more about building your emergency mind and to dig deeper into many of the concepts we get into in this podcast series, head over to our website at emergencymind.com. My guest this episode is Brett Whitman. Brett is an experienced waterman with expertise in multiple disciplines, including free diving, big wave surfing, and spearfishing. Brett is a seriously deep thinker, and we get into some awesome material in this episode about how to structure your training to prepare yourself to make serious decisions under the pressure of facing down a 40-foot wave or being 60 to 80 feet under the ocean with no oxygen tank. But don't worry, even if you're completely landlocked, there's some great material in here for you. You can connect with Brett online at his website, spearfactor.com, that's S-P-E-A-R-F-A-C-T-O-R.com, or on Instagram at the underscore spearfactor. As always on this podcast, our mission is to dive into applying knowledge under pressure, not to provide specific medical advice. Additionally, our opinions are our own and not those of our respective employers. All that said, let's get to the episode. I hope you enjoy. Here we are, Brett. I'm uh, so happy to be sitting here talking with you about this, man. Welcome welcome to the podcast and, and just really jazzed to be here digging in with you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm very humbled you have me. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, so, uh, Brett, you and I met when we were on this pretty epic spearfishing trip down in Baja. And I think it's a good as any place to start as we're digging into this. Um, and you are obviously an expert in a long time. Well, I, I see that face you're making. You might disagree <laughs> with me on that. But to me, you're certainly an expert uh, both in, in spearfishing and in freediving in general. And on this trip, it was my, my first time going out. I was an abject beginner. Um, and for people that have never gone spearfishing before, never never been freediving before, um, it's a really wonderful, excellent taste both of, of nature and the universe and also of, in some senses, stress and pressure and figuring out how to handle yourself in those environments. Um, and you were super instrumental in getting me out there, getting me underwater and, and getting me uh, to, to the fish and in, into wonderful situations. So first off, thank you for that. That was totally excellent. Uh, my pleasure. Um, and that's what sort of uh, sort of started us both on this idea of talking about well, what is the overlap between functioning under stress and pressure, uh, free diving, spear fishing, and I'm, I'm hoping we can also jump today into some of your other awesome hobbies, you know, big wave surfing and, and jujitsu. I've always been into trying to like be the the best version of myself I could be, and um, that. Um, has kind of led me into like, uh, you know, when I was younger, it was, uh, work out, be physical and the physical aspect of it. But then as I got older and, you know, and as your physical component kind of digresses, it was, I feel like mentally, you know, my mental component had hardly been touched and maybe it's the emotional maturity, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. Um, I kind of found that challenge through free diving, spearfishing, um, and you know, jujitsu. And then obviously my early twenties with the surfing, um, trying to like be a big wave surfer and just really enjoyed that stuff. And, um, 
I think when you start doing those things and then you start to look around you, there's not many of you that are kind of like that, but then you find you end up gravitating towards others that are like that. Mm. And it's, uh, I don't know, it kind of brings everybody closer together and it's, it's nice to find people with like-minded kind of, um, a, a mindset. You know, I always talk about in, in my, sh- my thing, uh, mindset, um, mindset is everything. So take it, take us back in time a little bit to, to who you were when you first started doing, especially, and just to pick one of these sort of long list of things, let's jump into, to free diving somewhat arbitrarily. So when you first started doing free diving and, and maybe take just a second and explain what that is to people that, that don't know, but when you first started doing free diving, were you really just concentrating only on the physical aspects of it? Or was, were you introduced to sort of the mental side of it at the same time? Honestly, it was just the physical aspect because I got into really trying to um, free dive because I wanted to increase my breath hold for um, sp- uh, uh, for surfing, mm-hmm. uh, big waves, and I wanted to be mentally prepared, knowing like, oh, I can hold my breath for you know three minutes, so I'll be fine if a wave were to hit me, and that would give me peace of mind um, mm. in those circumstances. But, you know, I didn't have any um, formal training at that point. And it was like I, doing sitting there, what we call a static breath hold, just doing a static breath hold, sitting there and uh, holding your breath without moving is one thing. And then when you go do uh, do like dynamic and you're diving down and you're moving and you're consuming oxygen, I didn't have any um, training as far as how to optimize my performance doing that. I took my past performance and my mindset of like, go, 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 go to an intensity, uh, like weightlifting for football and college or or boxing, where it's like um, more about kind of grunting through things and, you know, um, pound your head so hard into the wall, you make your own door rather than maybe just step aside and go through the door Mm -hmm. kind of mindset sometimes. Well, when you get into free diving, that's really dangerous to kind of have that mindset because you can get hurt where you're like, I want to go to 100 today. Well, that just might not be in the cards, phys- uh, physiology, you know, like why it's like uh, you could be something could be going on. I don't know, whatever you're in your diet, whatever it is, could uh, stop you from diving down to whatever target goal you want to try to hit that day. So where I was like, I'm just going to try harder. And when you try harder, you're, you, you know, you're using more o- oxygen. It, it's totally counterproductive. Um, and as I progressed, I kind of learned more too about, oh, when I'm relaxed and when I feel like really calm, uh, everything's, and I felt great. And that was a really long dive. Huh, interesting. And I learned that really to perform at your maximum, you have to let go. Hmm. of a lot of stuff like you have to it is the most polar opposite thing for me where no you have to almost not care that you're going to try to go for your max dive today you're going to try to hit 100 feet today and it's almost like uh my best depths which are nothing impressive for sure but my best depths are like the days that it's like accident where i didn't even know Hmm. look down at my watch and i was like oh wow I'm, you know, I'm at, you know, 80 feet, 90 feet, and I feel fine. 
oh, I, and then, but then it's funny, you look at your watch and then you're like, oh, I better go. I'm not supposed to be here, <laughs> you know? And then that's where that kind of, there's a lot of self-talk that goes on when you're diving. Mm. But really it's about letting go and trusting in yourself and just, I don't know, it's, it's totally opposite than playing football or anything like uh, competitive where you just have to... Um, I give it up, just give everything up emotionally, give it up and just focus on relaxing and go into like a sleep, almost a sleep uh, state and just feel, I mean, it's very Zen-like, you know, it's very, yeah. zen especially when you're breathing, you focus on your breathing. Wow. Okay. There's, there's so many cool things in, in what you just dug into there. And I want to, I want to press it a couple pieces. Um, the, no, no, no. One of the first things that you said was that you got into free diving because initially you wanted to be able to hold your breath longer if a big wave were to sort of break in a in a direction you didn't want it to. And, and there's some just really right off the bat, huge um, uh, connections between that and things that we do in, in the emergency world all the time, right? So you're, you're looking at a skill you want to perform and you sort of visualize yourself going forward and you, you do this thing that the Stoic philosophers would call premeditato malorum, the idea that you sort of, you see the bad things that are going to happen and you accept right. that. You don't try to pretend that you're never going to get knocked under a wave and pinned. Instead, you see it happening and you say, okay, well, what does it take for me to change the way that I can behave with that? If there's right. pressure, if there's bad things coming, how do I train that specific thing that's going to be hard? And so that's a like what a super cool way to get into free diving as a way to to address the reality of the situation that you're facing. Um, it, were you sort of conscious of that at the time, or is that more like retrospectively you can look back and say, okay, these things were linked up for me? Yeah, you know what? It it kind of honestly it was like the military training. It was like prepare for the worst, hope for the best, mm -hmm. and uh, it goes back to that whole thing of like even in wrestling and all the things that I did where you literally, you know, beat the shit out of yourself so that everything else is easy, you know, mm -hmm. just, it's just that simple principle yeah. of like, okay. Um, even in high school, I wanted to be able to bench press 300 pounds. Why? Because I assumed the biggest guy I was going to be going against weighed 300 pounds. So if I, at least I could bench press 300 pounds, I could press him off me and extend um, and the same, you know, with like uh, wrestling, you're you're going to be going live for six minutes. I need to be able to go 100% for six minutes. So I'm going to train to eight minutes so that if something were to happen in that six minutes that, uh, you know, whatever, I'm more than capable of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And I think what it is with the big wave surfing is that, you know, in football, wrestling or whatever, the stuff, whatever you're into, any athlete, I think, kind of understands that. But with the big wave surfing is that if you you could drown, you know, you could die. Um, and a large portion of that, uh, that, that the way to stop that from happening is having a mental mindset to know everything you've done, you are more than prepared for it. And that's because you're underwater, right? Everybody knows you can sit there and hold your breath when you're calm, but when you freak out, you're done. Like you're mm -hmm. done pretty quick. So the object is to get you in such a solid mindset state where um, anything that were to happen that would be bad, I know I am so good, you know, uh, that that I am more than prepared. It's like 
fighting Muhammad Ali and then going down to elementary school and being like, I know the biggest, baddest bully comes from me. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, that's as simple as you can put it, you know? So like, no. we, you know, we overtrain just like, uh, yeah. Um, in my dad's shooting school, we go there and train, train, train. And they, and they say that, you know, there's the, the law of like 50%, right? Like you're going to, if you do it live, you better shoot for a hundred percent because when you do it live, if you were to have to do it live and get in a shootout, so to speak, the odds are there's going to be a 50% error, error ratio. It's going to be, yeah, you're not going to be able to put hits on the target the way that you are when no one's, when it's not live when no one's shooting at you or sure. it's not a person. So you sure. want to train to a higher standard, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's part of the reason that we created the whole emergency mind project in general is the idea that the knowledge that you understand when it's calm and easy, you have to be able to apply that knowledge in real life situations under pressure and in stress. You know, in the emergency world, we say like, you got to get that knowledge into the patient where and when they need it. And the knowledge sitting on a shelf in a book, which I'm, I'm, sort of inferring is similar to your idea of like a static breath hold is very different than knowledge delivered to a patient under pressure with blood, guts, and screaming, more of sort of a, like the dynamic version right. of like, how do you hold your breath when a wave is pinning you down? Um, so I, I very much agree with you about that, 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 that translating those skills is a very, is a skill in and of itself. Right. So it's interesting you say that because uh, I was talking to a, a, a friend the other day and it's like I could write a book and tell you how to hunt certain fish, but you're never going to, you know, as far it, it's not going to supplement any time you spend in the water and actually go and hunt the fish. I mean, I could write it out for you, tell you exactly what to do, and mm -hmm. it will definitely help you. It will give you the tools. But if you don't know how to apply those tools in a real life situation, um, there's always going to be like, right. There's always going to be that time where you have to kind of adjust and figure out, Oh, that's what he means with this. Mm -hmm. That's what he means with this. Okay. And I see this now, that's what he was talking about. Now at this point I need to do this. Like if I were, you know what I mean? Like, so you're going to be referencing the book of instruction on, you know, spearfishing this type of fish at this point and this point, but until you do it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's something all together. It's different. It's different altogether. Mm. And so how do you translate that, that idea of taking a concept and putting it into play for like a real either, you know, fishing environment or surfing environment or even a jujitsu match or whatever? How do you do that in situations where it's really challenging to overtrain the exact skill set? Right. So you can train your breath right. hold and you can train components. And so, so let me take a step back. So something we talk about again in the, in the emergency world is the idea of macro skills versus micro skills. Right. So if I'm putting a, a central line into the patient's neck, right, the, the macro uh -huh. skill is getting the line in. The micro skill might be the understanding the angle of the placement of the needle. And then a second micro skill might be, OK, once you've placed it, how do you move to the next step and get the wire in the right place? Right. So you can break these macro skills down into micro skills. Some of them you can train easily. Some of them are right. a lot harder to train. So when you get into a situation where, um, like, like you're thinking about big wave surfing, okay, so the, the macro skill would be 
catching the wave and getting in the right position. And the micro skill would be, okay, holding your breath if you get smashed. And I'm clearly not a big wave surfer. I'm probably saying that wrong, but, but you get the idea. Yeah. Right. So when you find yourself in situations where the, the situation itself is either so, uh, rare, so hard or expensive to come by or so dangerous that you can't overtrain that exact situation. Uh huh. How do you how do you apply that concept to that idea, right? And maybe the maybe the analogy right. is you're trying to go for, you know, a fish that is so rare that you maybe only get one shot at it your entire life, or or it's a really difficult yeah. situation. So that's interesting because you know oftentimes we learn through failure, right? Mm-hmm. And in some situations you don't really have a choice. If you fail, you 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 know, someone dies in your situation, or you know, uh, you hopefully could, not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, uh, for me, I mean, obviously I do try to break everything down. Uh, when I was big wave surfing, it was like, do a hundred up downs a day. Why? Because I want to be able to stand up quickly as possible, even when I'm fatigued from paddling for this wave, because they're moving very fast. So I want to be able to stand up, know that my stand up, I'm not going to stand up slow and lazy and, and fall because I'm just merely out of shape. So you try to get in shape as much as possible. But the one thing I remember that I was not prepared for, uh, you can't really, um, you, you can't really like, I guess train for it, but you, you know about it, but you can't really train for it is the wind coming up the face of a big wave. It's accelerated obviously, because you know, as wind goes across a flat surface, now there's a bump and it's accelerating over that bump. You know, it's maintaining that speed, but it's going faster up the wave. Now you do that on a 30 foot wave or a 40 foot wave and it's racing up. And then you combine that with you're basically have a wing, you know, your surfboard is sticking out of the wave and the, and the wind is trying to blow you up mm. and hold you up at the top of the wave, which is like the absolute worst thing, right? That can happen because if it holds you the top of the wave too long and the wave breaks, you go what they, you know, over the falls they call, you go right over with the full force of the wave landing on you and, you know, you're falling 30, 35 feet flat on the ground, on the ground, but on the way, on the surface of the wave, on the bottom, get the wind knocked out of you and then you just get rolled over. So the wind thing was that I was used to it for, you know, small waves and all that, but I was not prepared for it the first time I paddled out. Hmm. But one thing you can do to prepare for things like that is to strengthen your skills at everything else Mm -hmm. so that in the moment when you're having to deal with the wind, so to speak, or whatever X factor that happens, you're pretty much can do everything else blindfolded Mm -hmm. so that it's muscle memory and you can uh, either... Um, either acknowledge the issue that's happening or just ignore it and keep going on with what you do because you've done it so many times. It's muscle memory. Like I would think like if a patient was flipping out, right. And you've, and, and um, you're trying to do something, but you've done it a million times. The fact that you're able to tune out this person flipping out or blood squirting you in the face and you're able to zone out. I don't know. I mean, like I assume I've seen some things. I mean, the closest I've ever dealt with it is like childbirth. But you know, <laughs> but like 
what I'm saying is like, it's like you, you have to be able to be so strong in those fundamental skills sure. that you're able to cope with the little hiccups that, that happen. Like I remember I was paddling in, I'm like, whoa, the wind's really, really strong. I just paddle harder. I'll paddle harder. And because I was in shape, I was and and did a hundred up downs a day or whatever it was at the time, I was able to number one, stand up quick, uh, paddle hard well, able to paddle harder to get into the wave to where the wind uh, really wasn't a factor because I was still able to catch the wave because I was paddling so strong. Mm-hmm. And then when I stand up, I just take those those skills that I learned that I applied on smaller waves. Say maybe for you it was like in in a in a controlled environment, mm-hmm. and I just go oh, okay. Uh, I probably should put a little bit more weight on the front of my board here because the wind is pushing extra hard. So it's like all those little things that I've learned through surfing small waves, little 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 things. I had to learn to tweak them on a larger scale uh, when I was dealing with the wind and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, no, that that makes sense. So so the the idea is that you take you know, will you take your macro skill, whatever you're trying to learn, you break it down, whatever the micro skills are that you can isolate, you train, and then you overtrain those. You train to be good no matter what happens. And then even if you right. can't necessarily hit every single thing, you've created a package which together allows you to deploy the skill under pressure. Yeah, maybe it's like, I guess the easiest way to sum it up would be like learning like calculus, right? You have such a strong fundamental base in mathematics that you're able to build upon that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I guess we say in the military, like the guys go to these schools and, you know, they pass these schools, right? Like dive school or whatever. And all that does is that that allows you to continue to train, to actually learn what it is you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you graduate med school, you know, all that does is allow you now the opportunity to practice medicine. Right. You know? It's not like you graduate and you're like, I'm good. I'm done. Right. That would be a scary, scary doctor, you know. (laughs) know Very, very true. Very true. And that, you know, that also reminds me of, you know, something I think one of my first martial arts teachers told me, which is that, you know, black belt reaching that sort of stage is never the end of anything. It just means that you've sort of started to figure out how to learn for yourself. And that that's when your, your understanding, your ability to really dig in yourself really starts. Yeah, I don't think, um, and, and that kind of leads me to my main point, I guess. The one thing I can say that I've learned, and this applies for anybody, any profession, anywhere, is that if you stay humble, mm. it you know, y- you can continue to learn. The minute you get arrogant, um, or you just think you know everything, the, the learning stops. And, um, and you can learn from everybody, you know. You can learn from a guy you can learn from, uh, pro- you know, a guy that's just le- like I learned from Vlad, our friend Vlad, you know, mm-hmm. and he asked me about something and I kind of just thought about it. I never thought about it because I just did it until I explained to him. I was like, you know what? That's a really good question. Because um, he was asking me about big wave surfing. And I was like, you know what I think it is? It's not that catching a wave and dropping into a wave, which means you're going down the wave face, you caught the wave. That's not hard. Right. That's a basic. Those are I, I'm not going to say it. that's not a, like an advanced skill. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a basic skill. So how is that any different when you're doing it on a 30 foot wave? 
It's still a basic skill. But what it is, is it's confidence. Hmm. Like, and, I, and he asked me that question. He's like, well, what helps, you know? And I was like, you know, I'm not even that great of a surfer. But one thing I can tell you is like my mindset, you know, I, uh, it's confidence. And there's a fine line between confidence and, you know, arrogance. Sure. Uh, but um, I'm confident. And if I wasn't confident, I have no business being out there. So you have to be confident that you've done everything you can to prepare for something physically um, and then actually confident in the, in the skill or the craft that what you're going to be doing so that when those variables kick in, you know you've got it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think one step slightly back from that idea that, you know, so you're saying preparation breeds confidence, and that's 100% right. true, right? Um, I also think that, that implicit in that is sort of an understanding that that no one else is coming to save you, right? It's up to you. Like if you want to do this thing, whether that thing is a jujitsu match or, or free diving or whatever, like if you want to do it and you want to be good at it, the responsibility to figure out the steps and to train them and to do that, that's that's on you. That weights on you. And that's 100%. Something that you have to not only understand, but really like, really love, really love that idea that like, okay, I'm taking this weight. This is on me. Right. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, and I don't know if it's a pride thing. To me, it's not a pride thing, but I, I would never, ever uh, rely on anybody. I try not to train with that mindset of relying on anybody to come rescue mm-hmm. you. That's, to me, it's kind of foolish um, because that allows me to overtrain, I guess, because if you thought of your waiting, you know, obviously when we free dive, we were very strict with the safety and we do the buddy system, especially when we start pushing deeper dives. And like, we are like on it when we start going deeper. Um, but part of that is I'm going to train and do everything right so that my friend doesn't have to come save me. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise you're like, Oh, I'm just going to go. And you know, I got so-and-so watching me. What could possibly go wrong? Um, and that same mindset with, uh, you know, surfing, um, all the lifeguards are here. They'll rescue me. You know, and the reality of the situation is like, yeah, by the time a lifeguard gets to you, if you get in real trouble, you're going to drown, you know, unless, so I actually rescued, this is kind of funny. This is kinda... I was with John, um, a couple of weeks ago, our friend John, and, uh, we, it was a pretty big day surfing, you know, for here coastal. Mm-hmm. I was like. And I, to be honest, I really wasn't planning on it to be that big. There was a lot of water moving. It was a long period swell. So there was a lot of energy in that swell. And went out and surfed. And it was okay. Like, we had a fun time getting out through the waves. Like, we got pounded and tired, whatever. Surfed. On the way in, I'm riding this wave in. And there's a guy, and he doesn't have a surfboard. And he's yelling to me, mm. call, uh, get a lifeguard. And I was like, what's up? He looked like he was okay. I was like, what and I couldn't understand because I'm like bellying a wave and he's like, get a lifeguard. He like points to this guy who's on like a, a foam board um, and he's clearly like a rental board, you know, mm-hmm. and he's uh, a, a, big, uh, a bigger guy and he's paddling, you know, and uh, he's got his wetsuit like half down over his shoulder. Hmm. And he looks like he just is like, oh, my God. Well, what happened is we were surfing along the jetty. And there was an eddy going out. So he was stuck in this eddy and he didn't know what was going on. He was just getting, you know, dragged out. You can't fight. 
Sure. Yeah, there's a whole t- lesson in that too. You really can't fight water. You can't paddle upstream. Right. But you can redirect yourself. You know, use that energy. Right. Like <laughs> it's like a keto or something. Use that energy and like, like everything know. in jujitsu as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I came up to him and I looked at him and he was all, you know, he was panicked. He was freaking out. So I guess what happened was I go, okay, look, we're, like right here, like I'm here. Nothing's going to happen to us. What was the worst things that happened to us? We get washed out to sea, which, you know what? Sorry, isn't that bad? We'll just, I got a plan. We'll just paddle in worst case scenario at the bay there because the bay is, you know, wide open we were right next to the the jetty and the other side of the jetty was the entrance to san diego uh, or um mission bay so he was like he just didn't have any idea what to do so he's just holding on this board for dear life breathing hard and i'm like okay first thing we gotta do is get this uh wetsuit back zipped up so i zipped up his wetsuit and i'm like all right so this is the plan this is what we're gonna do okay and i try to explain it to him and i'm like you're going to be fine now okay it's okay mm-hmm. i'm i'm not gonna let anything happen to you you're fine he's like Okay. You know, he really couldn't say much. And to be honest, I was pretty winded too. Um, <laughs> but I was just telling him, you're going to be all right. And there was a lot of water movement. So I was trying to like get him into the waves. And long story short, we got him into the beach. I, another friend showed up and he was like kind of coaching him through it too. And, and I got him into the beach and I asked him, it's like, you know, um, so what, what, what's going on, man? Why, why were you out here? Like, this is not a beginner day and i wasn't mad at him he's like sure. oh, i'm from austin uh i just rented the surfboard and, and they they you know told me to come out of ocean beach and i was like they didn't tell you that it was like 10 foot surf today and you know um a lot of energy in the water and he's like well i'm only here for four days so i really want to try to surf mm-hmm. and he was like yeah i was on the swim team uh in high school yeah and i was like yeah it's totally different man and he was like, uh, and he kept, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, it's okay. Um, and I was actually mad. At, I was like super mad at the people that rented the board in and tell him to go out because this poor guy didn't have a chance, you know. Mm. But the, the point of the story is like the kid was yelling. One of the kids was like, get a lifeguard. I was like, dude, dude like you can't rely on what – if not me, like we had a saying. It's funny um, at Army football <laughs> when I played football. Though. It was like, if not me, then who, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I kind of live like that, you know, like yeah, man. I have to be ready for everything mm-hmm. because, um, when my boat was sinking 30 miles offshore, like if I had called the coast guard, yeah, we would have been swimming by the time they got there. So sure. how am I going to figure this problem out? The first thing is let's, let's calm down and let's reach in our tool, tool, toolbox here and look at the problem and dissect the problem, mm-hmm. you know? I'm yeah. really good at that, but I'm really horrible at that um, in other situations, which is kind of funny, like dealing with kids and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, someone could be like shooting at you and you're fine. The minute, you know, kids spill something, you're like, oh, my God, you know, that's so weird. Amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. But, oh, there, oh, there's so much good stuff in, in there, too. And I, I want to go I want to go backward one second first, which yeah. is to say that. As we're talking about all this stuff about how each of us uh, has the responsibility or, or at least has the choice to make about whether we want to be responsible to take care of our own training and take care of ourselves, like you said, it doesn't mean that we go it alone, right? We always have teammates. Yeah. And you, you do the best to train them also and to work with them and, and to, to share that both that respect and that sort of joy of, of serving however you're serving back and forth. I mean, I, I'm certainly as an ER doctor, you know, I am I am 
constantly grateful for the help of my associated teams, like, you know, the medicine doctors I work with, the cardiologists, the surgeons, the, the people that really like own their field and own their training so I can own my field and own mine and together we can get it done. Um, one of the really cool things that you said about that story is, you know, you're out there with this guy and you're sort of starting to ask, okay, well, well, listen, man, I know you're panicking right now, but really what's the worst thing that could happen right now? Right. And that discipline of taking this complicated situation and saying, okay, what are we really scared about? We're not even scared, but what is the bad thing here? And let's get ready for that. Let's try to make that happen. You know, um, in the emergency world, again, we always think, okay, well, well, maybe we don't exactly know what the situation is. Maybe it's fast moving and it's complicated and this person's very sick. But what I can tell you is that if the worst case scenario happens, if this person's heart stops and they stop breathing and they die, okay, I am absolutely well-trained at doing everything humanly possible to get their heart started again. Right. And just like you said about, I'm gonna train my breathing to make sure I can tackle the worst case scenario for the big waves, right? What we do is we train that moment, that resuscitation moment, that code blue sort of situation where the heart stopped. Okay, we're gonna drill that and overtrain that and drill that again. Uh, a little, a couple months ago, I was teaching our incoming class of interns um, on their first day of doing simulated training for that exact moment. And we said, okay, you're gonna do it, you're gonna run it. Okay, now you're gonna run it with your eyes closed. Now you're gonna run it on one foot. Now you're going to run it facing the other direction because we're going to overtrain you to the point where you feel comfortable in this one moment. And when you have that confidence to be able to handle the worst thing, then you can go backwards and think creatively and flexibly about this other stuff that's happening. Um, I think that's really easy to talk about, harder to do in practice, like everything else we've talked about today. Um, but ultimately, it does come back to that that inner sense of purpose and self to say, okay, I I know I need to do this, so I'm going to go out there and get that training. Um, the the other really cool thing that you said, uh, and you've mentioned this two or three times now, which I think is definitely worth pushing on, is that idea that when you find yourself in that crisis, uh, the answer is never to panic and expend more energy. You only have a set amount of energy, whether you're, you know, trying to fight uh, a current or you're 60, 80 feet under with limited amount of oxygen. And the answer is never panic and, and consume energy. In fact, it's always the opposite, which is to try to calm down and decrease your energy consumption. Right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we did, a, you know, uh, when I was in the army, we did a lot of combat medicine, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, was basically dealing with sunken chest wounds and things like that. Um, and I, you know, I'll be the first one. I never got a chance to practice it live or anything, but I tried to, you know, uh, train like we fight as they say. And, um, what I remember was, um, you know, we had guys draw in our training. It was like guys were dropping and this and that, and there was all this stuff going on. And I remember kind of just like where all that stuff turned into like white noise. It was like just mm -hmm. a blur. And I was just focused on um you know in the training doing what i had to do to the patient like get the gauze on their split whatever it was um and guys are yelling because they're trying to increase your stress level like my team leader like whitman he's gonna die you know blah 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 blah, blah. and it was like none of that even matters because all i can do mm -hmm. is what i know how to do and if i do a hundred percent of that then everything else should take care of itself right you know, I can only do what I know how to do and yeah. and that's it. So why stress out? Like 
in the moment. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can kind of compartmentalize feelings and then deal with that after the fact, which is where a lot of that PTSD from my, some of my friends and stuff kind of kicks in. But at that moment, you have to just take your training in any whatever discipline it is mm-hmm. and apply the training as best as you can. There's no there's really not a reason to freak out. But where the problem is, is that emotional connection when it's real and mm-hmm. it's a friend or, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not trying to pretend to be a doctor at all, but I mean, like and kind of and kind of um, compare anything that I have done to what you guys do every day. But I just know from my little experience where it's like you really can do, you know, you can only do what you know how to do. Um, like doing CPR, right? You're training CPR. Um, I've had to rescue kids out of pools quite a bit, which is kind of a shame to me. Um, hmm. I Yeah, it's unbelievable how that happens um, so often, especially with pool parties and stuff. I never have a hmm. good time at pool parties with kids because I guess – Having worked on the water for for a job, um, my buddy and I were talking about it. Having been on the water for a job and worked on the water, we have such a healthy respect for water in general where, you know, if I'm at a pool party when the kids were little, I'm in the water with them yeah. because uh, I just have too much – it's just too easy. Um, That's you know. one of my um, – one of the guests, uh, I think it was episode um, – either three or five, uh, one of my friends, Amy Hildreth, who is a ER doctor and also uh, a lieutenant in the, the U.S. Navy, said almost verbatim what you just said about how pool parties stress her out, in part because she understands the reality of it, and in part because yeah. she's always ready to sort of step in and do what, what needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I've, like, you know, um, I remember this one time, it was a baseball pool party, and it was an Olympic-sized pool, so it took a little time to get to the the kid and he happened to be right in the middle you know they swim out like i'm gonna go for it i can make the and they get tired they stick their head up and they spaz out kind of you know they get they 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 stress out and then they you start seeing it you know and it was obvious and i actually you know i kind of give credit to the to the dad too because he just literally pulled up a lounge chair he wasn't in the pool and he just sat there staring everybody else was doing their thing he was just staring at the kids and he immediately noticed too and he's like hey hey and I was already in the water, so I was able to get to him mm-hmm. uh, in time. But it was a big pool. I mean, he went under quite a bit. Mm. But that goes back to, like, I know CPR. Okay, what can I do? I can do CPR. There's nothing else. I'm not a, a paramedic. You know, there's there's not unless we got a, um, a defibrillator or the heart stops, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else I can do except rescue breathing. Um, that's what I can apply. So at that moment, um, you know. Uh, freaking out or anything like that. No, we just, it's literally like in my mind, it's a dummy and I'm going to work to do this. Right. Later on, that'll be different. I'm sure when you process it, like I've done that before where I've gotten home and I've kind of stopped in my, like for stuff that has happened at work. And my wife's like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, uh, I almost died today. I didn't think about it, but like I almost died today. Like a couple of diving uh, emergencies and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, you know, no, that's that's a really important structure that you're saying, which is which is to figure out in this exact moment what actually can you affect, like like both what do you have control over and and right. all the stuff that you don't, but then also what do you actually what can you do that makes a difference, right? So, right. and maybe and maybe my 
first or second year of residency training, uh, I was working a, um, a shift in our acute area at, at uh, Mass General Hospital, and one of my senior residents was there guiding me through a really complicated case. And um, if, if you happen to be listening to this, Griffin Myers, I'm talking about you. You now run Oak Street Health, which is this incredible company, and I've never forgot what you taught me this day. And awesome. he, he takes me into this room where um, this patient is – uh, is is really trying hard to die, right? Which is to say that they are very sick, they are getting worse, and uh, if we don't do anything, if we don't act, there's there's going to be consequences, and and that might be death. And I was um, really stretched to sort of the edge of my abilities. It was pretty early in my training, and I recognized the badness coming, but I couldn't quite figure out to do. And 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 Griffin was watching me spin up and try to figure it out and sort of sort of start that little bit of panic and. He pulls, he pulls me over and says, okay, remember our, the things that we can do, right? So in, in emergency, we always think about ABC, airway, breathing, circulation, right? I'm sure that you've, you've been through a lot of that as well. Right. Goes, okay, yeah. so you have this complicated scenario. There's all this stuff going on. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you go right back to ABC and you go through it slowly. Okay, how's their airway? You know how to intervene on their airway. You can place a breathing tube. Do they need a breathing tube right now? No, good. How's their breathing? You can place chest tubes. You can do needle decompressions. You can add oxygen. Do they need those things right now? No. How's their circulation? Well, okay, their their blood pressure is pretty low. What are you going to do about that? Here's how you're going to get it done. And that calm, methodical, sort of structured approach that it, it doesn't ignore the chaos. It accepts the chaos and it just moves with it. Like you, what you're saying about the water, right? You don't fight yeah. it. You just move with it. Um, I'm very grateful for that for that lesson, and it's something I've sort of applied in, in ER continuing. And if any of my uh, you know current residents are, are listening to this, I'm sure they've heard me give this talk to them over and over again, which just go to the yeah. bedside, just go A, just go B, just go C. Right. Don't burn unnecessary energy. Just figure out what you can fix and fix it. You know, it's interesting. It's uh, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, that movie Sherlock Holmes where he was so intelligent and he just stops and he just breaks everything down <laughs> so fast. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's like, and do the, and it's literally, you're doing that yeah. uh, at that speed where you're like, okay, situation, these are my options. Choose one of the options. That's the option. And um, I just feel like, and it doesn't matter if you're practicing medicine or not, it could be avoiding a car accident. Mm-hmm. What are my options? And you think like that, but I think the more you rehearse your mind thinking like that, the, the better it gets at handling those situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's medicine or not. Just in general, if your mind, if you can structure your mind to function like that, when that stress hits, boom, it just goes right down the list of, but you got to have the tools that allow those little menus to pop up with your mm-hmm. options, you know, right. and then that's where the training comes in uh, or the experience or whatever it is, like I've done this before, this doesn't work, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I want to go kind of back to what you were saying, though, too, like please. about team, you know, like you're only as strong as your weakest link, too. So the the beauty of having a team is, and it's funny because like this always happens to me sometimes because I'm one of the more experienced guys at my job, you know, all eyes kind of turn to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then – with the team thing that I learned growing up again through sports and stuff, which is like, and my dad was really good at like kind of impressing this upon me is like, utilize your resources. You know, what is it you're really good at? Okay, cool. If you're going to do that, be the absolute best you can be at that. 
so that I know I don't have to worry about this at all. And you're on it. And I got to do like my, my, my thing as a, as a leader or as a, um, uh, as the head doctor or whatever on this unit, this is what I got. And I can trust my people to do everything else. And then those are those pieces that come together to create like this awesome force where everything is just going like clockwork. So it's like on my old job, I, we had a dive team and we dove every day together, every, every day in all these really weird situations. And we would bounce around the globe and do all this stuff. And it was so funny because anytime we got a new guy, um, like my buddies and I could literally talk to each other underwater just with like, you know, like we all knew exactly. Mm-hmm. Like and then it got to the point where we didn't even have to, you know, talk. Everybody had a job. And depending on where you ended up at that exact moment, you knew that guy was going to go do this part of that job. And then you were going to go do this part. And then we we're all like, it just happens. Like it's almost like a, a symphony that gets played and everybody's just, it's efficiency. It's everything. But everybody's got to have that same mindset of mm-hmm. uh, training. I know what I'm doing. This is what I do. I'm on this team. Um, and I'm going to do it the best of my ability you know, I just think it's like a mindset thing, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's again, back to that idea of every person has to step up and say, no one's coming. It's up to me. I'm responsible for my training. I'm going to overtrain. I'm going to find the weak points and hit them harder and keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's it can't that, be like, it can't be like, oh, well, doc knows kind of about that. So he can help me if I get, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trouble with this. Well, he might know that, but you, he, that may be the case. But you can't think like that. You have to say, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. I'm going to be this, you know, because if you think like that, that introduces time and it introduces error and communication. It also takes away from something else that you could be doing or or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's not it's an important distinction because it's not to say that you shouldn't be humble and realistic about your knowledge and your abilities. Right. Like when you and I go surfing next time, you are unquestionably going to be the better surfer. And I'm going to look to you for help and advice about how to get out of situations. But at the same time, you know, I also have to recognize that, like, my my safety in the water is my own responsibility. Right. And I have to prepare for it and be ready for it. Um, And there's that balance in there of knowing your limits and looking to people that are better than you to learn from them. And also understanding that like, like it's on you to figure out how to make that next step. And then it takes a lot, it takes a little bit of being humble to say, you know, without learning to occur to be like, uh, yeah, I could be the best person at doing one aspect of this, but wouldn't, um, maybe there's somebody coming up that's better at, Added or, or, or there was a new thing they discovered or something. There's a new technique and it's going to take you being humble to say you could be the old crusty old guy. That's like, well, I like my way. I do it the best, you know, or you could be open to the idea and maybe take a little bit of what they're doing and apply it to what you're doing and say, hey, you know what? I like that. That works in this situation. But in this situation, my works. Right. And you, you said it before, sort of at the beginning, like, you know, we learn often through failure. And a lot of times that failure is our own failure in one sense or another. Um, 
And if we're lucky, we have a group of people that we can work with where we can learn from their failures too. We can share these things back and forth and, and try to get collectively better. Um, it's certainly something that I try to stress with my team is anytime something goes wrong, anytime there's a bad outcome, the last thing we want to do is to let that opportunity go without learning something from it, right? Because that's how we get better for the All next right. patient that comes in, the next person that comes in through the door. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think that's that's challenging sometimes as you're talking about, you know, being humble and, and recognizing your own limits to admit, hey, this didn't work. This didn't go the way right. I wanted it to. But even worse than that for, for me personally is the idea of saying, well, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I'm going to not take anything from it. I'm just going to leave it on the table. That's yeah, I'm going to avoid it, right? Because yeah. it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, Brett, I want to be mindful of our time. We've been we've been yeah. going for nearly right. an hour here, um, and this has been awesome. Uh, I'm gonna just summarize real quick some of the the highlights that I think we've gone through, and then and then turn it over and see if you have any sort of parting thoughts for folks on the other end of it. But um, it a lot of what we dug into today was talking about. Uh, sort of around this idea of to perform at your maximum, you have to let go and trying to think about the maximum level of performance we can reach in whatever our chosen discipline is. We talked about the idea of understanding that, that it's on us to figure out how to build our own training and that a lot of what that looks like is is thinking ahead, casting our mind ahead, figuring out the worst thing that could happen, both sort of before the event, uh, when we think about the worst thing that can happen, we figure out that that weak spot and we train and overtrain right there. And then in the moment when we find ourselves in a pressured situation to stop, to let go of that panic and the sort of pressure for a second and say, okay, what's the real worst thing that can happen here? What do I have control over? What tools do I have and what do I need to deploy? And within that is the idea of whenever possible in the middle of an emergency, decreasing your energy consumption or rather rationing your energy consumption for, for sort of what matters the most. Um, but I love that. I love that quote to end with what you said, just to perform at your maximum, you just have to let go. Yeah. Uh, so it's totally taken me awesome. a long time to learn that. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, um, for various reasons, like growing up and all of that, you want to be in control of everything, right? Like, you know, you wanted to like work out so that you can be strong and manhandle guys or whatever it is and, and have control and, and feel controlled. Um, and I used to train to fight and all this stuff so that I could be able to handle myself in any situation, all of this sort of like control based situ scenarios. Well, you, you know, I, I mean, I guess like, yeah, it, it if you're fighting, it's just, it's different when you, it's different in, in real life scenarios like that, where it's mm -hmm. not, um, where in it's emergency, you yeah. can't control outside variables, right? You can't control if it's, you know, whatever the waves are doing, whatever the current's doing, I cannot control that. So what am I going to do? What am I going to take in from that? And how am I going to use that to either aid me, um, to do this or, just mitigate, you know, limit its impact on what it is I'm trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when I talked about the wind coming up the face, like how can I minimize that impact on me right now? So what do I need to do? The things that I am trained to do in order to overcome those, those factors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brett, man, thank you so much. This was yeah. absolutely awesome talking to you. <laughs> tons of, tons of great pearls of wisdom for anybody listening to this ER doctor or not. Um, so thank you so much, man. I, 
thank you for uh, having me. I'm I'm very humbled to to be on your show, and especially with some of the amazing people that listen to it, and amazing people you work with, and and you yourself. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's so great. Um, thank you again for having me on your show. Right on. Thanks a lot, brother. Hi, brother. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emergency Mind Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, but more importantly, I hope you found something in there that you can use next time you find yourself in the middle of an emergency. To learn more about what we talked about in this episode and about building your emergency mind in general, head over to our website at emergencymind.com.